0: I've been doing a lot of reading in, in the Old Testament. I'm getting close to finishing up the New Testament. But I've been reading the books of Haggai and the books of Ezra and the books of Nehemiah. And uh, in those books, they are con- uh Zachariah is in there, but they're contemporaries of, of one another in that. They're writing at the same time. And, and in the history of Israel at this time, Israel... Oh my goodness, reading through the Old Testament, it's just heartbreaking, repetitively about God would send messengers and bring his people back to him and speak to them about how they needed to repent and get things right and how he would make provision for them and deliver them and do uh, miraculous things on their behalf. And then as soon as the pressure was off, they would... Stumble back in or sometimes run back into idolatry, and just the uh, the um, I'm trying to find that word, the increasing depth of debauchery that they would go into that they would I mean, they would go so far into sin, the fact that someone could even conceive of taking. I mean, you could make this personal, but taking their own children and sacrificing them to an idol? I mean, it sounds like a story, doesn't it? It sounds like some type of not a real thing, but think about the reality of that. How far the human heart has to go to even be willing to consider something like that. And... Uh, and yet in those places of deep, dark sin, God still was compassionate towards them and wanted to draw them back. But because of the extent of their sin at one time, he said enough. That he needed to purify the land. And so he allows conquering nations, the Assyrians, and then, and then the, the Chaldeans came with Nebuchadnezzar. They came and they completely conquered. They destroyed the holy temple of god tore it down it was destroyed they destroyed the walls of the holy city jerusalem they decimated the 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 uh, countryside and the towns out in the countryside and then they carried the the brightest and the best of the israelites off into captivity and and uh, um, dispersed them among their nation to serve in those lands some of them had positions god elevated them to Positions of prominence like Daniel and, and, uh, and others, uh, Nehemiah. But um, for 70 years, they were in captivity, prescribed by the Lord. And in that brokenness and in that place, just think, okay, for us, where would we be? We're, we're almost at, at 2020, just to shock us all. We're at 2019. Where would we be 70 years back if we were to go 70 years back in time? What year is that? 1949. Okay. That's more familiar to some than it is to others. Two years old? But just think about where our nation was. Just think about where our technology was. Just think about the things that were going on in the different nations of the world. There were nations that didn't even exist like they do today. I mean, if we went back there, it it may have seemed like the good old days to some, but really, we would have a hard time surviving without our microwaves and our cars with all our appliances. And if we had to go out and physically work out in the field in order to provide for our families again, and can you imagine But understand the sense of identity of our nation at that time was also different than it is today. And 70 years removed, I mean, the young people that are coming up today, they can't identify with that time. They don't have an attachment to that time, you know. But just think about the young people of Israel that were growing up in Babylon. They didn't even know what that other land was like. Their whole identity was wrapped up in Babylon. Now, the Israelite people, distinct to a lot of the nations of the world, have had the ability through the centuries, through the millennia, to even, like here, still maintain an identity of who they are, that they are Israelite people. They still, uh, at least for social reasons, will will go back through and read the Bible or or observe certain things. Whether they understand the spiritual side of it or not, they'll do it for a sense of identity as a nation. But they were there in Babylon and had lived through multiple, I mean, it was the Chaldeans and, and uh, the, uh, uh, the Bab- and then Babylon, and then you've got the Medes and the Persians were there. So even while they were in that land, there were successive um, uh, rulers in that land. It, it changed hands, even though they were living in that place. And then it came to the time when the, the declaration was made that they were going to allow uh, exiles to start going back to Israel. And during that time, boy, it's taken me a long time to get around to that. During that time, God sent people or had messengers to help Israel in the process of redefining a national identity and rebuilding their nation. One of those was Ezra. He was commissioned and sent. Some of the Israelites had gone back, and they started a process of trying to, trying to rebuild their temple. And, uh, and uh, from that point, let's, let's pause right there. And I want to go to Psalm chapter 137. I've seen a lot of people in the airports and, and seen people moving around. And I'm thinking the immersion into our culture, even where we live, is very sheltered compared to what's going on in our nation. There are hints and there are things that we may see glimpses of here. But when you get out. Into the crossroads of our nation, there's things going on, and you see that this isn't Wilson, North Carolina, when you're in an airport in New York, and when you're in an airport in in another country you you see you're exposed to a whole lot of things that wouldn't be common here. People would turn their heads here and they don't turn it in in other cities so in that regard, and in psalm one thirty seven that's about the seventh time I've said that <coughs> The psalmist writes, he said, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And then he says, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? And uh, the Lord brought that scripture to me, and to an increasing degree, you know, we traveling to other countries, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, Cuba, Colombia, different kind of countries like that, to go into that country and... Knowing that you are an ambassador of the kingdom of God when you go into a place like that, there's a heightened awareness. You're living with anticipation of, God, what do you want to say? Uh, The 10 days in in Nova Scotia, you know, we were having breakfast conversations. We're traveling to a place. We're meeting with pastors or, or leaders, and we're having a conversation with them. It was on the whole time. You're spiritually alert, spiritually attuned, focused on what does God want to say to these people, how are we mutually encourage one another. Has God given me something to share with you? There's words of knowledge, words of wisdom. God's doing things for people. God's touching people and healing people. He's encouraging someone or giving them the opportunity to just open their hearts and vent. But it was just 100%, you're on for 10 days. And then getting up in front of a people that you don't know anything about, you know, I I, I don't do this, but if you know something about someone, it may be easier to have a conversation and pray with them because you know about their life and their history, and you can do that. And uh, I, I never, I mean, I just say, when I'm praying like that, it never feels to me like there's some kind of manufactured thing. But when you don't know anything about someone and someone walks up to you and says, I feel like the Lord's giving you a word for me. Do you mind if I record it? And I'm like, I don't know anything about you. And right now, I, that's a blank slate. And the Lord, I mean, I felt like the Lord promised to just put it right here, okay? Go ahead and turn it on. Just put it right here. And then the Lord brings a word to you. And it came to me twice. And I'm like, I, I, I keep getting this word. And, and then the Lord expands that word in, in, uh, in the, the talk and then the prayer for them. And then they come to the end and they said, you don't know what you just did, but, but that was exactly what I'm going through and exactly what I need. And it's, let me tell you, it is not David List, it's the Lord. And uh, you got to see that. But going into a country like that and you're 100% on, um, you're, you're being carried by what God's desiring to accomplish. And I, I feel like that that you could go and, and I could go and and God would accomplish what he wanted done because it's an appointed Kairos time for them. It's God's time for them. God's got something that he's been working at for a long time. You happen to be a vessel that he's flowing through while he's there, but, but you really feel like you're being carried along by something rather than you're making something happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just the move of God and you happen to be a point person in that move, but God's the one that's doing it. So you just get to yield and participate with the Lord. And and uh, uh, in the Scripture, you'll find that people that uh, have a Mount Carmel experience with the Lord, like the prophet did, where God came down and brought fire down from heaven, cons- from heaven, consumed the altar and the sacrifice, and then there was the destruction of the priests there. Um, that right after that, that prophet. He hit rock bottom. And a lot of times what the Spirit of the Lord will carry us through I, I don't want to I don't wanna make doctrine out of this, but a lot of times there is a a, a challenge that comes to that minister after that. I'm saying that. I'm not I, I don't I'm not experiencing that right now for myself, but but the reality is that what you're ab- what you're doing up on cloud nine being carried along by the Spirit, we come back home. This is where we live you still got to take the trash out, you know, and trash stinks no matter where you are, but you you come back home and, and you've got to live, exist. This is where we live. This is where everything that we believe, everything that we can see in the Bible and talk about, it's got to be lived out somewhere. For the Israelites, in this passage, there's a challenge. Their home was a foreign land. They did not feel a part of where they were. But they're having to exist. And and their captors are saying to them, look, we, we heard about your worship. We heard about these songs that you sang back in your day. And here they are in slavery. Here they are taken from their home. They're taken from their place of worship. Everything that they had pride in as a nation, had been stripped away from them. Their city, you know, they talk about Jerusalem. When people would come to Jerusalem from, from, coming from the east, the temple would be gleaming up there. They say it was like white, and then they had the gold capstones on top of the, the pillars and everything. So people coming from the east, especially when the sun was shining from that side, it was a, a glorious-looking scene up on, the, up on the hill up there. And people were just amazed at the beauty of the temple of the Lord. And that's just the physical aspect. Not, what about the abiding presence of God in the place? What about the people streaming in there to worship the Lord? But here, that thing that they had their confidence in had been stripped down and had been destroyed. Their identity and hope as a nation had been taken away from them. They had been removed from the land that had been promised to their forefathers, their promise that had been given to them and passed down to them. They had been stripped of that. And here they are, they're taken into a completely foreign land as captors. And their captors, out of curiosity, say, How about singing one of those songs that we heard about? Just rock of ages, cleft for me, you know. Does it still work when the circumstances around us don't, doesn't seem like it's measuring up to the promise or the proclamation of the song? <laughs> Does it still work when everything around you makes it look like it's not working? My circumstances are not reflecting what's there. My circumstances may not be reflecting what I see in the promise. The other night, um, you know, I'm I'm looking at this. I know we could talk from a personal perspective. I'm looking from a cultural perspective with regards to our nation. In the midst of what I feel like can be and will be one of the most powerful revivals that's going to hit our nation, just a move of God across our nation. There are the serpent's heads rising up, I believe because of the fact that there is a rumbling in the spirit realm and the enemy is trying to come with bravado and impose a will on the nation uh, on the people of the nation. And, uh, you know, Cecile and I, one of the things that we decided to do um, while I was up in Nova Scotia was that we were going to go see a movie when we came back. And uh, so we we planned it. The other night we went out to go see a movie, and, and uh, I won't talk about what it was or anything like that, but we went to go see a movie. And beautiful scenery, great script. There's all kinds of things that were going on that were just great in that movie, except for the fact that. It, right in the middle of it, they had to put a, a, a homosexual lifestyle thing to frame it right in the middle and glamorize it. I mean, right there. And while I'm, I, I'm just, I'm—it's repulsive to me. I'm thinking, I paid money for this, and you're pushing that—you know—agenda. You're pushing that on us, and. It's the spirit of the age. It's something that's out there in a the culture. It's become, they are making it, and they're normalizing it in our culture. And I'm focusing on one area, but there's other things. They're normalizing things in society. They're teaching our young people that this is normal. There's a softening in that regard uh, with regards to understanding in many places. We need to embrace. We need to be tolerant. We need to be accepting of people. When God says exactly the opposite, I happened to come across a list the other day of sins that under the old covenant that that received the death penalty and i'm like lord this is extensive i mean the death penalty we're not playing games it's not even an i'm sorry you know give you an opportunity for that it's not there's not a mercy that's associated with it it's death and it was an extensive list there were a lot of things that we, we would probably tolerate or accept even in the body of Christ today that there was a death penalty for them. Understanding we're living under grace and forgiveness and things like that, but we're soft on on things, and we don't talk about sin very much in the church anymore. But I sat right there in that movie the other night and saw what was going on on the screen, and I thought about walking out. And then I thought, no, I want to be with Cecile, and, and we're sitting there going on, and then I'm thinking, okay, this is where the world is. But does the song of the Lord still work. How do we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? Because in many ways we find ourselves living in our nation that in some ways is beginning to feel like a strange land. Because there's things that are becoming to be a part of our nation that don't feel a part of us. They are an affront to the Spirit of the Lord and God's not pleased by it. How do we sing the song of the Lord? I want to read it out of here the way they wrote it. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? Number one, I just want to, I just want to make this statement. The songs of the Lord were de- designed for this place. If anything, what stuck with me while we are in the movie, it let me know how much important the song of the Lord is. What is the song of the Lord? The song of the Lord is your lifestyle. The song of the Lord is his word from your lips. The song of the Lord is their experiencing Christ in you. The song of the Lord is when God gives you a word that's outside of your realm of knowledge and gives you ability to be able to speak something into someone's life and they can say, how did you know? And you get to say, The Lord just loves you so much. He showed it to me so that that you could know that he's real. The song of the Lord is when you see someone that's infirm or hurting or sick or going through something, and and rather than just giving them a pat on the back and saying, I'm praying for them, that you really turn and pray for them and give God the opportunity to bring healing into their life and let them know that God loves them. Is the the song of the Lord relevant today, even though we feel like in a foreign land? There's a lot of... Christians that would rather run into the church and have an experience in the presence of the Lord, which of course is nothing wrong with that. But we'll sing the song of the Lord all day long right here, but then we don't sing the song of the Lord out there. Look, the song of the Lord was designed for the foreign land. It's a song of worship, but it's a song of proclamation too. What God's put inside of us, He wants to release out of us. So, if there's going to be a song that impacts our nation, if there's a song that's going to impact our community, it could be the song that's being sung through the movies or over the television or over the radios or through the school systems, or it could be the song that's declared from the hearts of believers. What song do we want to hear? If you go back in these passages, and I'm not going to take the time to go through all the things that, that, that I have, that, that I've put down here because I've already had two people two weeks ahead of me to let you out early, and I've got a reputation that I'm concerned about. And I'm already pretty much there. It's been, it's been 20, 45 minutes already. Goodness gracious. In the rebuilding of the temple of the Lord, and we see this reflected in different books of the Bible. In Ezra, it talks about it. It talks about it in Ezra that they, they built the foundation for the temple and what should have been a time of celebration. I feel like there's a whole lot here that could be explored. But in the the building, reestablishing of the foundation, the temple of the Lord, that all of a sudden the the priests were in position and the Levites were in, in position with their with their uh, tambourines and, and cymbals, and, and to make noise to the Lord. And, and the people lifted this loud shout to the Lord out of excitement about what God was doing, to celebrate God was doing. And then it said, and there were some people that remembered the old temple, and when they saw the foundations of the temple, they began to weep. And because it wasn't measuring up to their expectation. And so they wept, and they said, between the loud of the worship, uh, between the loudness of the worship and the loudness of the mourning and crying, that you couldn't even distinguish the two. It was just all all noise going up, and I'm thinking what a what a mixed emotion there you know and and even uh Haggai talks about this that when they started building the the temple that people who had seen the old temple were concerned that maybe. This wouldn't measure up, that it wouldn't really be what we're looking for. I mean, you know, it doesn't look very glamorous or glorious. And, of course, we know there's a promise that came along with that, that God said the glory of this current house would be greater than the house of the future. I mean, in, in the past. Um, so, I've spent 10 days in Nova Scotia. What were we doing in Nova Scotia? The people in Nova Scotia, they are calling it the maritime awakening this was one wave this was one wave there are other people will be going up there and ministering and 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 pouring into the hearts and lives of those people but they're praying they're fasting they're seeking for God to move in their province all of Nova Scotia has one million people so there's towns that I went to that had 1,000 people I think they had seven churches in that town we went to a town that had Seven thousand people. You know, we're talking about smaller communities. Their biggest town is three hundred and fifty. I think that's around the neighborhood of what Raleigh is, without all the surrounding towns. So that's their largest city. I mean, but if you've got if you've got uh, only a million people and three hundred fifty thousand are in one place, and then you've got a whole province to cover, there's just not a lot of population. So to go to a town that's eleven thousand people. So the, the, my excitement about that is, if you're in that town, your potential to be able to have an impact on that city is huge. If you'll just be the people of God, you can change this town in a little bit of time. I mean, it doesn't take very long to be able to do that. And so I was excited about that. But, but they're looking for, anticipating, uh, praying for, and they're, they're looking for a revival to sweep through their area. And we went from church to church to church. And I don't know who might be listening. (laughs) But there were sincere people. There were sincere people that were seeking the Lord and everything like that. One of the things that I I spoke to and challenged them, don't look for the revival of God looking in the rearview mirror. Don't expect what God does today to look like it did yesterday. Don't expect that all we're doing is just getting our refreshing of yesterday's things because let me tell you, God's so much bigger than that. What God is desiring to do today is much better. He's not trying to take us back to the Welsh revival or the Hebrides revival. He's not trying to take us back to Azusa Street. He's not trying to take us back to the charismatic renewal. He's not trying to take us back even to what was in the Word of Faith movement. There's more that God has for us. What God wants to do is take mankind, His church, I believe, to finally accomplish what He created us for. Let us make man in our image. God wants a demonstration of who He is through the body of Christ. He wants His words, His life, a release of His character and His anointing through His people. God wants to work through us, not just through somebody standing behind a pulpit But for people that are sitting at Taco Bell and people that are sitting at at, uh, Chili's or people that are working on houses or people that are moving through the community that God wants to work through us to accomplish His purposes. So receive, anticipate that God will be able to work through you and the glory of this house will be greater than ever before. How do we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? With all our heart. How do we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? Vibrantly, fully, with all that we are, everything that we have within us. No reservation. The enemy's had us hiding for too long. The enemy has made us feel shameful for too long. I never really got to explain. Wednesday night, we're, we're dealing with the issues of shame. Guilt is related to things that we may have... Done. It has, it's related to actions, but shame is an attachment that the enemy uses to d- bring us down and to keep us down because somehow we feel devalued that we're not worthy to be used by the Lord. Shame attaches to our self image, who we see ourselves as being. And shame influence affects e- e- the perpetrator and also the victim. And so on both sides, the enemy will use shame to keep us from rising up to be who God calls to be. But God has dealt with that. So how do we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? Don't hide what He's done for you. Tell your story. Don't limit what He can do through you by thinking that you don't have what it takes. If you've got the Holy Spirit, you've got more than enough. How do we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land? We get up in the morning and say, Lord, what do you want to do today? God, I see a problem. And the Lord's saying, well, what are you going to do about it? Here I am, Lord. What do you want to do? I'm available to you. Look, this is supposed to be a house of Celebration. We come together, we encourage one another, we get to hear the story about what God's been doing throughout the week. It's bubbling over so much that we can hardly contain ourselves and we don't have to because we get to come celebrate what God's done. But our activation comes when we go out those doors and we begin doing what God's called us to do and we are the people that we've been called to be. God wants to work through us to set people free. How do we sing the song of the Lord? We just be Who God's called us to be. That song of the Lord is the proclamation of the good news. That song of the Lord is taking hope into a hopeless situation. That song of the Lord is taking healing where healing is needed. That song of the Lord is telling a story that people have never heard recounted in the news. You ever been to the news for good news? Good luck with that. But people need to know that there's a God who's alive and active. So what? Does the house of the Lord look like to you? Does the house of the Lord, you know, they were building the temple and they say, Well, oh, it doesn't look right. This it is not that grand and glorious to me. This is not what we were expecting and weeping and crying and some are celebrating. What does the house of the Lord look like to you? Does that house have doors? Do those doors make you feel welcome coming in while it feels to other people like it's keeping them out? Does it have walls? Do the walls seem like an obstacle that some people can't come through? Does our, does the house of the Lord have a roof or is it a ceiling that we've got certain ideas and concepts and thoughts about what should and could and what it's supposed to look like and it becomes a a limit to what God can do. Because we're limited by yesterday's expectation, yesterday's experience, instead of having an open heaven and saying, Lord, why don't you just do whatever you want to do? We're your people. and This is your house. You do what you want to with it. Our house shouldn't be dictated by, you know, the stuff. What is the house of the Lord? You're the house of the Lord. You're the temple. You're his habitation. The house of the Lord goes with us everywhere we go. So how do we sing the song of the Lord in a strange land or in a foreign land? We sing it with all of our heart. We, be the, we are the song of the Lord. We make declaration. Everywhere we are. I, 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 uh, we are the kingdom of god and it is everywhere we go i've got more in, in in me that i can share and so i just want to go to the lord in prayer father a nation that has known you that's experienced revival after revival and stumbles and falls God, we Your people, we the banner carriers, the heralds and the proclaimers. Your God shouldn't turn away and weep. Your God, we need to declare all the more. How do we expect them to know unless we tell them? Your God. So, Lord, here we are. We make ourselves available to you today, Lord Jesus. Can I? Can, would y'all just stand with me, please? Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, there are people here in this room that are having experience with you, dear Lord, that's pulling them deeper, Lord. Things are opening up in their hearts and in their minds in ways that they've never experienced before. It's one of the most exciting times in their life. Lord, they're tasting you and they're experiencing you and they're learning about you and for the first time they're trusting you in things that they haven't trusted before and they're learning to to step forward, your God, when in their past, your Lord, they would hide or turn away or withdraw. But they're learning how to lean in and take a step and trust. God, would you bless that, your God. Bless them, your Lord. Help us to learn to depend, Lord, that you can take us outside of our walls, Lord, you can take us outside of our shell, you can take us outside of our, the prisons of our past, and God, that we can extend our wings, to your God, and flap and learn how to fly. We're not designed to live inside a cage, your God, and the enemy has caged us up way too long, caged us up based on our broken identity, your Lord, caged us up based on our failures from the past. Lord, the sense of guilt because of mistakes we made, sometimes things we did intentionally, sometimes things we did without really knowing all the consequences of it. But God, you came to set the captives free. God, and for some, dear Lord, for the first time we're learning to trust who it is that you're creating us to be And we're starting to do things that we've never done before. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them with a a sense of your presence, your God. And a confidence that comes from walking in relationship with you. Lord, it's not based on what we know. It's not based on punching or flipping the right switches. It's not based on jumping through all the hoops that religion has created for us, your God. It's about walking in relationship and being red-letter people doing the things that Jesus did. So God... We make ourselves available dear Lord. If I have authority in this house, your God, and I do, then God, I make us available to you. I say, Lord, here we are. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh. Use us, your God, for your grace, your God, to be extended into our community, God. Destroy every obstacle, every wall, every hindrance in Jesus' name. And Lord, may your kingdom be established in us. And, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.